Welcome to the motherhood journey. I am so glad that you're here. This is a space where we allow the daily joys and the tough moments to shape us and build us into the beautiful and powerful women that God originally designed us to be. Let's walk this out, mamas. Let's enjoy the journey of motherhood and see it as the blessing that it is. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the Biblical Womanhood series. Um, I hope that you've been having fun listening to this series and I really hope that it has been blessing you. Um, It's been really fun but also tricky to put together because I'm not used to actually putting work into the podcast but it's been good and it's been really fun to study these passages. Like my heart's been blessed every time. yeah, it's really cool. Today we're talking about Ruth and Esther, and I'm not going to read them with you because they're um, obviously long books, but I really encourage you guys to go read them or even listen to them. Like um, I was listening to them this afternoon while making dinner and just having it read out to me like a story rather than kind of feeling like it's quite a long reading through it like um, the book was really cool because I felt like I got a story picture um, and things stood out to me that I haven't before. Um, it was actually really, really interesting listening to these stories back to back. And I was like, Lord, give me wisdom on what to say with these because, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like most people listening to this probably have even more insight into Ruth and Esther and have done studies with their church and stuff um, and probably know a lot more about the history and cultural things that are going on because in both of them, so much that is going on. I'm like, I can tell there was something cultural or important to the Jews um, in that time in, in how they function. So, um, I'm just going to be sharing with you guys today a few things that stood out to me, um, but of course these books are incredible and you could go so, so, so much more in depth. Um, so I hope something I say today can bless you. But what I was going to say, it was so interesting listening to them back to back because I feel like they show so much about women in the Bible and God and his heart over women, but in almost contrary ways. Like the book of Ruth, right, is so simple and beautiful and it is all about like loyalty and faithfulness to a woman like um Ruth obviously has honor towards Naomi who's her mother-in-law and she chooses not to leave her because that would have totally abandoned Naomi and have no hopes at all for provision for her um and she yeah was like no I'm gonna stay with you and come to your people and see your God and um I guess the main purpose we can see out of reading that story, which I really encourage you, I'd love you to like pause this podcast. It may not be possible, but pause this podcast, go listen to Ruth and um, Esther and then come back and listen to it if you can, because I really feel like things will make a lot more sense and it will like enrich your soul a lot more. Anyway, I continue. Um, Yeah, like obviously Ruth said, no, I'm going to come with you and actually be with your people and your God, which is amazing because she was a foreigner. She was with like... um, towns that would worship idols anyway she goes with Naomi and then Boaz notices her and hears of her from the people that she is a woman of loyalty onto Naomi and he like instantly notices her and is like I want to honor this woman um and goes to her and says like make sure you stay only at my place I'm going to make sure you're protected from any man touching you um you can glean extra um he just finds favor with her which is just beautiful and then crazy she like goes back to Naomi and tells her about it and Naomi's like, you need to go to him after he's eaten and drunk and is merry and lie, like uncover his feet and lie next to him. So obviously there was something in that time that that meant something. If you know, then cool. I wish I knew. I wish I had more time to look at all the history and cultural things in this, but I don't, unfortunately. Um, 
you can message me later if you do. That'll be so cool to hear. But um, yeah, uncovers his feet, lies with him. Obviously, doesn't have intimacy with him, but lies with near him. He notices her when he wakes up in the middle of the night, and they have this discussion about like who's meant to be redeeming her. And I really like that it constantly uses the word "your redeemer." Obviously, again, it was a cultural thing for that day, but I love that like you can see from this passage. Um, the story of Jesus and his heart and his heart like Boaz um, where this woman was um, left destitute really like she doesn't have a husband anymore has left all of her people her own father and is literally spending all of her days from morning to night gleaning in the fields and I think from what you can hear Boaz says to her it's obviously a bit of a dodgy situation or yeah, women need to be um, allocated protection to know that they're going to be okay. So she's obviously putting herself in a vulnerable position. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, gleaning is like um, taking the after crops from a field pretty much. So um, whatever's left after the pickers go through, um, the poor would be able to go and glean there. So I don't know, it's pretty cool. And then she's lying next to him, right? And he's like, um, there's a man who's first in line to take you as his wife but if he doesn't take you I'll take you um which is amazing I kind of feel like Ruth took such a risk of obedience towards Naomi to even go and approach Boaz like this because again I don't know the cultural side if this was normal but I would expect that it is not normal after a man has eaten and drunk to then go lie next to them and be like that vulnerable like he was sleeping outside on the threshold floors and she decided to sneak in and lying next to him after he's drunk a lot, like anything could have happened. And yet she did that, it was crazy. Anyway, so she does that in faithfulness and he's like such a beautiful, honorable man. And obviously just is like, I'm gonna redeem you. Then he goes first thing in the morning and goes and finds the man who's meant to redeem her and pretty much figures everything out to take care of her. And he's like, if you're not gonna take her, I will. Um, so beautiful. And then he goes to her and becomes his um, her husband. And then it says that on that, that day of them becoming one, God opens her womb and she conceives the child, um, Obed, 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 I can't remember his name. You know what I mean. Um, Jesse's father. And then Jesse's obviously the father of David. And then from the line of David, Jesus comes. And I was like, one, how flippin' cool that God uses a foreigner to be part of the lineage of Jesus coming. Like he kept the father of Boaz obviously in the correct line. But I just think it's so beautiful that obviously this is a story of redemption, that her husband died and God, because she chose God, and it's like that story of like, when you chose God and you align yourself with him and you give up everything for the risk of believing that he will come through for you and be everything he says he will be for you, that he just like incredibly redeemed this woman, redeemed Naomi who like comes back to town and says, don't call me Naomi more anymore, call me whatever the name was because the Lord has been bitter towards me and like she's like so sad and obviously feels like life is against her um, because her children died and in that day it's all about the men and how the men can provide for you and how children can provide for you and then her lineage gets to keep going through Ruth and then um, Ruth gets pregnant instantly which is just beautiful because that's what God wants he wants to produce in his image in his likeness as he did from the very beginning through his people um, he opens her womb she has a child who then brings the risen Lord Jesus Christ and like 
how awesome is God's beauty and that he intentionally chose that to be the story. I find God so interesting and you'll find that I'll talk about this in the next story, especially with Esther, because I find the story of Esther crazy. I'm like, Lord, out of the easiest ways, you could have made all of this be so simple. But I think he continually chooses people that are fallen. He continually chooses people that are sinful and that are not even of his kind to just show a way bigger picture, show his heart continually. He's like, I just feel like he's just screaming from the rooftops. Like, if you choose me, I will just free you and redeem you in the most incredible ways. And it's not even about your past. It's not even about your people. It's not even about your sin. You can fail. I feel like me and Brad have been learning this so much. Like, you can fail time and time again. But if your heart is humble before the risen king and you are believing in his power and his faithfulness and you're continually just submitting your lives to him, somehow for some crazy reason, literally just because he has to be faithful to his own character, he shows up and is beautiful and wonderful because he doesn't, in a way, care about our stumblings. He wants holiness. He wants purity. And if your heart is not for that, then your heart is not for God. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about when you have a pure heart, but you continue to struggle. He's just like, come on, son, like, I'm just going to keep helping you and I'm just going to keep redeeming you, which is just so beautiful. So the story is incredible. And there's a certain line, I forget what chapter it is, that Boaz says to to um, Ruth, where he's like, because you have chosen to come under my people, our God has been faithful to you. And he like explains pretty much the gospel to her in that moment. And I'm like, man, how beautiful is that? Like, I just feel like I can imagine being Ruth and going through such that awful trauma and then taking this risk and living a life of poverty really going through the gleaning where you just don't know what's going to happen to you every day and then I feel like Boaz is like the superhero like the superman in romance stories where he's just like tenderly loving to her like he's not even just like I'll just get from you what I want like you're here I could just sleep with you I could get whatever I want he's not even needed to redeem her like the other man is on his responsibility but you can see obviously Boaz is a man after the Lord and he is beautiful and I can just imagine Ruth just being in absolute awe and wonder for the rest of her days just that she's been given a child and she's been given this husband who obviously is just going to care for her so beautifully and I feel like there's not many stories in the Old Testament where kind of everything works out so beautifully um so it's a special one so they were kind of some of the points I got out of that but then as we now switch over to Esther Esther in a way to me is like a complete opposite story of womanhood like um hopefully you can pause this and go read it um even just the first few chapters until um, Mordecai gets rescued. But um, yeah, like literally, this starts off with this king of absolute glamour, like declaring all the things he's doing. I think if he says if fast is for like, um, not fast, celebrates and parties and feasts for I think it's 180 days, something you'd have to check that. And it's just talking about how he brings the most beautiful women in front of him for everyone to enjoy. And I'm like, Oh, I hate that. Like, if you know me, I'm just so not for that. I'm like, I hate that there was like concubines in the Old Testament. And um, I'm just like, like, it's just not beautiful to me, obviously. Um, and I don't think it's the heart of God. Um, but that's what people are functioning in that day. And obviously this king is not um, a believer. But anyway, so he's having all these feasts. And he's talking about how glamorous and awesome everything is. And then the queen doesn't want to come and like show off her beauty to all of these drunken people, which I'm like, totally understand girlfriend but obviously makes the king very angry so she then gets kicked aside and then he's like I'm going to put a decree out to all the beautiful virgins and see who I'm going to get and then Mordecai is like 
Esther, you should go and apply for this, which is already crazy to me because, again, I don't know the cultural things of the day, but I assume that that was probably not best practice for the Jewish women. don't know. But I'm going to assume probably not best um, to go and apply to be pretty much a concubine for the king and if you're chosen you get to be the queen because the process they go through that Esther then gets sent there is that she spends 12 months of being like beautified like a certain amount of time with oils and perfumes and things so she does this like stuff for a whole year that's all about just being beautiful and even the scriptures say like she has a really beautiful figure so this whole story in a sense is all about your outer appearance which we know and we've talked about on this podcast that like I love the woman's body and I love that we can be so beautiful for our husbands like that that is a specific thing that we can be of beauty and enjoyment to our husbands and I think God makes that really clear in some of songs so I'm like all for the beauty of a woman's body and being the most wonderful enjoyable thing for your husband but as you know me from listening to this podcast I'm not for that in any sense except for blood covenant um and anyway so she goes and she's just it's all about beautifying her body and then she each of these women get brought in to sleep with the king and um if like then he gets to pretty much choose from that which is also just crazy so she's doing this practice like she's going in and being a concubine and like sleeping with him um Yep, so she goes in, sleeps with him. He's like, takes incredible favor of her and is just like, she's the one, gonna be my wife, which is awesome. So she's like, okay, great favor. Um, And then obviously, as you read, um, Mordecai doesn't want to bow down before um, Haman. And so then Haman's like, I hate this man. I'm gonna destroy him and all his people and puts out a verdict to kill. Like it is intense. It's like kill and destroy and like, um, I forget the words they use, but pretty much like totally in a gruesome way, kill everyone, children, m- women, every single one of the Jewish people. What a massive decree. And the king is like, yeah, sure, go do it. So this massive thing is happening to the Jews. Like we know that that actually played out with the time of Hitler, which is just so awful. Um, but yeah, anyway, this is happening. And then Mordecai's like, you need to go talk to the king. And she's like, I can't, he will kill me. And then he's like, you're not going to escape from this. You're a Jew also. Um you might be have been put in place for t- such a time as this. Anyway, and then she goes and for some reason continually asks to have feasts with him. I'm like, girlfriend, like, don't push the man. Like, I would just be like, ask for it. But she obviously knows what she's doing and she does that and she asks um, for his, her people to be free and the king ends up finding that Mordecai's done good for him and wants to reward him. So it all works out and the people of God are free. But then this decree is released for the Jews to then completely destroy and kill thousands and thousands of normal people who are against them. And I'm like, oh, Lord, like, why does it always have to be someone like dying in gruesome ways? Like, but I think that is so um, consistent in the Old Testament. And I, I know it must be something greater than my own understanding because constantly the people of God in the much earlier books go in and destroy um, whole areas um, for then God's people to be able to come in. And um, yeah, I don't understand that. I need much more revelation on it. But that's what happens in the end of this book. And I don't know, I'm blown away by it also because, yeah, when you see in Ruth, you see this meekness and this obedience and this submission and tender love. And then you see Esther and you see her kind of breaking all the rules, like doing things that were not even proper for God's people. And yet that is what where he wanted Esther to be able to save his people. He could have saved them in any way. But he was like, no, I'm going to do it through a woman who's going to have to go through things that 
I so of the world and not even of what would enrich his heart. But that was the avenue that needed to be able to get to this king's heart to free all of the people of God. And it must be a massive time in the story of God's people in the book of life, um, that time when all of his people were rescued and in such a private, strange way that only a few people would know of. It's just incredible, even though Mordecai's name then was spread out for everyone to know. But um, I don't know, I was blown away by that and blown away, I think continually, that we need to not have God in a box or have our own stories in a box, that God truly moves in ways that are incredible. And what is beautiful and powerful about both of these people is that they stood by God where it mattered. So Ruth obviously did that in following Naomi and then being obedient through everything she said and giving herself to Boaz. And then Esther did that through continually honoring her um, uncle, was it uncle, father-in-law? something and continually honoring him and submitting to what he said was right for her and then yeah just standing for her people even if she lost her life um she stood for her people and she stood for God and God is so faithful like she could have been a coward like everyone else would have been like I don't even know what I would do like going up to this king and and saying this but she believed God and she believed the people of God and her family were worthy of of risking her whole life and I'm just like I love that and I honor that and I love that she wasn't even perfect and that this story isn't perfect or even glamorous it's hard and it's gruesome um and that's what real life is isn't it but us as women can be beautiful and meek like Ruth or incredibly bold and powerful like Esther but in the end it's all about our heart and both of these women had a heart of submission to them to the person that the Lord had rule over them so Naomi and Boaz and for Esther Mordecai and they followed these people of God and said I'm going to listen to you and for me that was an encouragement of obviously my husband and then my church leaders that we've chosen to submit under of like continually wanting to have a meek heart where I just don't need to kick and scream until I understand but I just go like I believe God is leading you like what your will is I will do if it seems right or not to me at the time um if they're obviously a faithful godly person um and then believing that if I just give my heart to God and I stand for him in his ways and and the truth of his gospel he will come in and he will redeem me or he will rise me up or he will protect me. Whatever my story needs to be, I need to get God out of that box and not need it to all look good and pretty all the time, but need to be what I'm fostering and working on all the time is a continual heart of surrender and humility, rest, trust, and whatever that would look like is what I always talk on this podcast anyway. I hope that that brief overview of the two books could bless you in some way. Um, And I'm looking forward to our last podcast of the series next week, which is just pulling apart Proverbs 31. I love that. So cool. Um, I'm going to pray for all of us now. um, And I'm going to go into the shop and buy my son a birthday gift um, and (laughs) go on with my night. Um, God, thank you for these stories. Thank you that you included these two stories that are all about a woman in your Old Testament. And I pray for your spirit to flood these guys. And when they read it, that they get 10 times more revelation than I even got. Um, You're so good. And I know your word is so rich. And I pray, Father, that you would help each of us to not need a certain narrative to play out in our lives or not need what we think is right in every category to play for us to believe and be able to trust in you. I pray that we would be women that are willing to risk it all women that are willing to be vulnerable, women who are willing to even let it hurt and let it be hard um, in order to be able to 
follow the godly leadership in front of us that we know is godly and truthful and follow your voice over us, believing that you will always redeem, you'll always heal, you'll always have victory no matter how hard the journey may look in the process. I know I need to believe that more and I pray for that gift over each of these women. Thank you for your love and your strength as we continue to love our little champions. Jesus name. Amen. If you enjoyed tuning in today, subscribe here and connect with me over on Instagram where you can DM me or find my email as I'd love to connect deeper and pray with you.